Therapy Chat Podcast, episode 189. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Therapy Chat Podcast wouldn't exist without the support of its listeners. If you'd like to become a member, please go to patreon.com slash therapy chat. By making a $1 per month donation, you can help Therapy Chat keep going over the long haul. Thank you for your support. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Right now, it is the weekend after July 4th, which is a holiday in the U.S., And I am coming to you with a little preparation episode so that when you listen to next week's episode, which is going to come out on July 18th, you'll be kind of more familiarized with what we're talking about because, you know, we may, I think I take it for granted that people are aware of the topic that we're going to be discussing next week, but not everyone really is. So to lay the groundwork, I wanted to give you a little bit of background. So first of all, before I start on any of that, I've referenced this in a couple of episodes recently. I have been running around like a chicken with my head cut off, as they say, since May, because my practice recently moved We moved right down the hall in the same building we were in before, but the expansion from a suite that had two therapy rooms to one that has four and some other extra rooms is a huge deal (laughs) with me as the owner kind of, you know, coordinating everything and responsible for everything. So 
while I do my normal work of seeing clients and my normal work of running this group practice with right now four clinicians and three more by September, I'm also juggling all the little ins and outs and details of moving, which has been exciting and stressful. So with that said, the reason I'm really even mentioning that is because we're going to have this week's episode and next week's episode on the topic that I'm about to tell you about. And the rest of the summer until September is going to be some replays of past episodes that are about trauma. You know, I'm always talking about trauma, but if you just started listening to the podcast recently, you know, you've only heard what I've most recently been talking about. And there have been some really good episodes in the past. I didn't even realize until a couple people have emailed me that on iTunes, you can only listen to the 100 most recent episodes of Therapy Chat. So now that Therapy Chat has been around for a while and you're listening to episode 189, there are 89 episodes that you can't find on iTunes. And so not everyone realizes that all the episodes are available on therapychatpodcast.com. But also, in case you don't know this, if you're a newer listener, I used to talk about it a lot and I haven't been doing that so much lately. You can find every episode of Therapy Chat on the Therapy Chat app. So it's a free app, unfortunately, still only for iPhones and iPads and Macs. I haven't gone to the lengths of um, creating an app for Android capability, but if you have an Apple product, you can find the Therapy Chat app for free on iTunes and every episode is there. It makes it very easy to share episodes and just listen to all of them in order from most recent to the first one. Another way that you can find all the old episodes is on YouTube, but I'm going to select a few that are related to trauma and reissue them this summer for you to listen to. And when you hear what I'm talking about today and next week, I hope you'll be very interested in getting more information about trauma by listening to those past episodes. There's some real rich stuff back there. So I know I've referenced what we're going to be talking about a few times without saying what it is, but I didn't want to just casually throw it out there. What we are going to be talking about today is dissociation. Dissociation is something that many people are not familiar with, even therapists. People who are doing trauma therapy as therapists need to know about dissociation because it's a part of the trauma response. And if you don't know about dissociation and how to treat it, you're missing a huge aspect of the healing process. And it kind of, to be honest, it it kind of can be re-traumatizing because not seeing what's going on is, can be like a reenactment of a childhood where there was abuse happening and everybody pretended like it wasn't. So it's really important. And it's, it's just such a huge piece of trauma work that if you don't know about it, it's time to learn. 
And I'm going to give you a bunch of information today and a lot of great resources. And then next episode on July 18th, 2019, will be an interview with Kathy Steele, who is really a an amazing figure in dissociation work. She's been doing this work for a long, long time and has been a pioneer. So I didn't want to just bring her episode without a little pre-work. So when I say dissociation, you may not know what I'm talking about. Many people call dissociation disassociation, but there's there's no extra A in there. And I'm going to share with you some information that I'm going to point you to where I got this from so you can go back and read more about it if you would like. I am getting this information, which is written more succinctly than I could possibly explain it myself, despite the fact that I have a lot of training and experience in working with dissociation. I got this from the International Society for the Study of Trauma and Dissociation website www.isst-d.org. If you just look up ISSTD, you should be able to find it in Google. So first of all, what are we talking about when I say dissociation? Dissociation is a word that's used to describe the, the disconnection or lack of connection between things usually associated with each other. So Dissociated experiences are not integrated into the usual sense of self, and it results in discontinuity in conscious awareness. Dissociation can affect consciousness, memory, identity, or perception. What this might look like if you're a therapist is when your client comes in and rattles off a long list of traumatic experiences they've been through with no emotion seemingly very detached, maybe even somewhat robotic in the way they're describing it, when the things that they're saying, you know, would be extremely terrifying, horrifying, traumatic for them to have gone through. And I think because of not knowing enough about dissociation, what a lot of times therapists may misunderstand and think that the person is not telling the truth because they're, and certainly I hope most therapists wouldn't think that, but certainly many non-professionals would think that when they hear someone just, you know, describing one traumatic event after another, after another, after another, and showing no emotion, you know, average person who doesn't know much about mental health may think, well, their reaction doesn't seem to match what they're saying. So they must be lying. That can't be true. If that were really true, they would be crying and screaming and curled up in a ball. But that's exactly what dissociation does is it protects the person from feeling the emotion that is connected to that experience. So in clinical terms, dissociation is emotional numbing. And it's a psychological process that's common in people seeking mental health treatment, although it's not always recognized. So some examples of how someone might feel when they dissociate is these are, this is all from ISSTD. A person may feel taken over by an emotion that does not seem to make sense at the time. They might feel suddenly unbearably sad without an apparent reason. And then having the sadness just go away as quickly as it came, or they may find themselves doing 
something they wouldn't normally do, but they can't stop themselves, almost as if they're being compelled to do it. And we've heard this in terms of parts. We've heard this in terms of who's driving the bus. You know, is it your adult self driving the bus or is it your thrill seeking 15 year old self or five year old self? (laughs) And where's the adult current self on? Is that person even on the bus? So dissociation is something that we all do unconsciously. And it's somewhat of a spectrum how much someone may dissociate, all the way from being distracted and preoccupied by thoughts and not hearing what someone's saying when they're talking to them, to losing memory of experiences, to having no memory of childhood, to all the way to the far end of the spectrum, which would be when the person has different parts of self that show up and there's no awareness between the different parts. So, you know, there may be one state that someone shows up in and they have a conversation and they have feelings and then, you know, they shift to a different state and that part doesn't know the other part is there and has no memory of what happened. Okay, so here's what ISSTD says about the cause of dissociation and dissociative disorders. So dissociation is something that everyone does and dissociation, dissociative disorders are more at the far ends of the spectrum. According to ISSTD, Research tends to show that dissociation stems from a combination of environmental and biological factors. The likelihood that a tendency to dissociate is inherited genetically is estimated to be zero, it says. Most commonly, repetitive childhood physical and or sexual abuse and other forms of trauma are associated with the development of dissociative disorders. That does not mean if you dissociate that you have been sexually abused and you don't remember. However, any type of trauma in childhood, including a lot of medical procedures, surgeries, severe illness in childhood, losses like the death of a parent at an early age, a parent who is extremely depressed or dissociative and and was your primary caregiver, extreme neglect, extreme physical abuse, And when I say extreme physical abuse, I mean, I think any physical abuse is extreme. But when I say extreme neglect, I'm talking more about not having your basic needs met for food, shelter, safety, warmth. And then there's emotional neglect, which can also cause dissociation. So it says dissociation may also occur when there has been severe neglect or emotional abuse, even when there has been no overt physical or sexual abuse. Children may also become dissociative in families in which the parents are frightening, unpredictable, or dissociative themselves, or make highly contradictory communications. And I've talked a lot about that here when there's incongruence between what the parents say and what they do. That's extremely scary for children because they don't know what to believe. So the development of dissociative disorders in adulthood appears to be related to the intensity of dissociation during the actual traumatic event. So basically, when you're a child and you're relying on other people to help you when there's a crisis, if 
the person you're relying on is the one who's causing the crisis. For example, if they're physically, you know, your parent is physically or sexually abusing you or doing something terrifying or you're witnessing something horrifying happen that your parent is doing, like witnessing domestic violence. Dissociation is a highly adaptive coping method that a child uses to be able to bear what's happening. An absolutely terrifying situation where they feel powerless. They are powerless. The only thing they can do is go away in their mind. So that's why dissociation is a normal response to overwhelming, terrifying situations. So severe dissociation during the traumatic experience increases the likelihood of generalization of such mechanisms following the events. So the experience of ongoing trauma in childhood significantly increases the likelihood of developing dissociative disorders in adulthood. So another example is if you live, if you're a child and you live in a violent community and there's violence happening all the time and you've seen people be shot on your block and you've seen children being hurt, you've seen people being bullied, you've seen, you know, people being attacked by a group of people or living through war, you still have to go out and play and you still have to walk to school or drive to school, get on the school bus. You still have to go about your normal life. So how does a child continue to go through their normal life when things like that are happening around them that they sense are unsafe. And that's, again, that's where dissociation comes in and helps them not remember what happened so that they can continue to keep on going. Therapist, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used Therapy Notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend Therapy Notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Okay, so I want to give you the different types of dissociative disorders. Okay, so there are four main categories of dissociative disorders, according to at least as far as the U.S. mental health community goes, we use the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 5th edition, the DSM-5. And as imperfect as this document may be, this book may be, uh, it's what we in the U.S. have to work with for diagnosis. 
So according to that, the four dissociative disorders are dissociative amnesia, dissociative fugue, dissociative identity disorder, and depersonalization disorder. And I'm going to give you some info on what each one is. But as I said, remember that dissociation is on a spectrum. So people could exhibit dissociation without fitting neatly into one of those categories. And that might be a little confusing for both, you know, people who are curious about their own trauma responses and for therapists. Dissociative amnesia is characterized by an inability to recall important personal information, usually of a traumatic or stressful nature that's too extensive to be explained by ordinary forgetfulness. It can't be due to an organic disorder or DID, and this is the most common of all dissociative disorders. Individuals suffering from dissociative amnesia are usually aware of their memory loss, and the memory loss is reversible because it's not a problem that the memories aren't stored. It's a problem that they cannot retrieve them. A dissociative fugue, and that's F-U-G-U-E, fugue, is characterized by a sudden unexpected travel away from home or one's customary place of work, accompanied by an inability to recall one's past and confusion about personal identity or the assumption of a new identity. Individuals suffering from dissociative fugue appear normal to others. So basically, it's when someone goes out and they are presenting themselves in public as a different name and um, different behaviors than the one they generally present themselves with in public, and then they don't really remember it. So it can be extremely upsetting and confusing for people to find out that someone told them they saw them somewhere. Like, um, you know, I saw you at McDonald's and you were, you were carrying a squirrel and you said that you were going to get a Big Mac. And normally you're a vegetarian and normally wouldn't go around carrying a squirrel and you don't remember it. That would be pretty terrifying. And especially, you know, if you don't remember it at all and you, you know, there's a sense of like, well, what else did I do? So oftentimes when I've heard that happen to people, you know, there will be anywhere from a day to a week that they don't recall. But for the people who saw them, for example, that person who saw you at McDonald's, they couldn't tell anything was wrong other than it was odd that you were getting a Big Mac because you were vegetarian and it was odd that you had a squirrel with you. You know, and I'm just giving like a real random example. Okay. Depersonalization disorder is characterized by a persistent or recurrent feeling of being detached from one's own mental processes or body. Individuals suffering from depersonalization disorder relate feeling as if they are watching their lives from outside of their bodies. Somewhat like watching a movie or um, I know it's my body, but I feel like it's not me who's there, who's not, who's inside. Individuals with depersonalization disorder often report problems with concentration, memory, and perception. And this depersonalization must occur independently of DID, substance abuse disorders, and schizophrenia. One thing that isn't mentioned here as one of the types of dissociative disorder is derealization disorder, which is the kind of the other side of depersonalization disorder in which rather than feeling like someone is not like, you know, I know it's my body, but I don't feel like it's me. That would be how depersonalization feels. Derealization is like, 
I know it's me, but what's around me seems fake or I feel like I'm in a movie and and it's not real. And these people are all just characters. Both are very disconcerting and leave people just feeling like they don't know which way is up and they really just want to get back to feeling like themselves again. Okay. So dissociative identity disorder, what we call DID, used to be called multiple personality disorder and most popularly characterized in in pop culture back in the 80s there was a movie called Sybil which had a very dramatized portrayal of dissociative identity disorder and then more recently there was a show called The United States of Tara um, with Tony Collette that was also a depiction of dissociative identity disorder but also you know not fully accurate I mean you know, Hollywood is never going to make mental health seem truly accurate. But dissociative identity disorder, DID, is the most severe and chronic manifestation of dissociation. It's characterized by the presence of two or more distinct identities or personality states that recurrently take control of the individual's behavior, accompanied by an inability to recall important personal information that is too extensive to be explained by ordinary forgetfulness. It's now recognized that these dissociated states are not fully formed personalities, but rather represent a fragmented sense of identity. The amnesia typically associated with DID is asymmetrical, with different identity states remembering different aspects of autobiographical information. And it says that there's usually a main personality who identifies with the client's real name and is not aware of the presence of other alters. The different personalities may serve distinct roles in coping with problem areas. So that is DID. And when I talk with Kathy Steele next time, she's going to talk about structural dissociation and help us understand DID better. And then there is dissociative disorder, not otherwise specified what they call DDNOS. So that is a dissociative presentation that does not meet the full criteria for any other dissociative disorder. In clinical practice, this appears to be the most commonly presented dissociative disorder and may often be better characterized by major dissociative disorder with partially dissociated self-states. In terms of diagnosis, I personally think of dissociation as being a part of post-traumatic stress disorder. And if it's to the level of the separate fragmented states that really don't know about each other, I would go ahead and give a diagnosis of DID. But, and if I were strongly suspecting that someone had DID, but they didn't quite meet the criteria, I may diagnose DDNOS. So the information here about the prevalence of dissociative disorders is, I think, a little... mm, it's just it's just somewhat incomplete because some people say that dissociation and DID is so rare that you know you could practice for 30 years and never see someone who has DID but i think it's a lot more prevalent than we realize and it's just not being identified accurately so there's there are estimates that dissociation occurs in approximately 2 to 3% of the general population up to 10% It says that approximately 73% of individuals exposed to a traumatic incident will experience dissociative states during the incident or in the hours, days, and weeks following. But for most people, these experiences will subside on their own 
within a few weeks after the traumatic incident subsides. However, if they try to go back and recall that incident, will they be able to? I mean, I think that's an important question. So ISSTD has data on the um, prevalence of dissociative disorders and also what types of treatments have been studied in working with dissociative disorders. I am going to give you some resources. I mean, I think right now this is pretty pretty deep to ponder already. And we're going to talk more next time with Kathy Steele. But I want to give you some resources to get more information, including a surprising and incredible resource, I think, that I can't wait to share with you. So first of all, I've mentioned ISSTD a couple times. I'll put a link to their website in the show notes. There's a book called Wisdom, Attachment, and Love and Trauma Therapy by Susan Pease Bannett, LCSW, and she also is the author of the Trauma Toolkit book. You may remember Susan was a guest on Therapy Chat. can't believe it's already been a long time back. I think it was last year. I'm looking to see. Yeah, it was last, last summer on episode 152, Susan and I talked, and she's... She's really amazing. She's another person I totally look up to who has been a, a pioneer in, in the work of dissociation. And she also specializes in ritual abuse and mind control, which has its own particular dissociative impact. So that's episode 152. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Another person who is hugely important in the work of dissociation is Janina Fisher. Janina Fisher's book, Healing the Fragmented Selves of Trauma Survivors, Overcoming Internal Self-Alienation, is a must-read. It's really fantastic. She talks about using a bottom-up approach with trauma survivors to help them basically reconnect and integrate so that the fragmentation is lessened and that the person feels like all the states can be together. There's so many great people who have done this work, and I, I can't name them all right now, but Babette Rothschild has done a lot in the trauma world, and her books are really important in this field as well. Of course, also sensory motor psychotherapy, Pat Ogden, and, and Pat Ogden's two books, Sensory Motor Psychotherapy and Trauma in the Body. I'll put links to those in the show notes too. It's a lot to read. <laughs> Kathy Steele, Anno Vanderhart, and Suzette Boone wrote, Treating Trauma-Related Dissociation, a Practical Integrative Approach, and Coping with Trauma-Related Dissociation, Skills Training for Patients and Therapists. I'll put links to both of those in the show notes, and Kathy's going to talk a little bit more about those books next time. But the, I think the most surprising and incredible resource is it's a podcast called System Speak. I found out about this podcast when Susan Pease Bannett was on the podcast and she, you know, when she promoted that episode that she did and I saw it, I was like, what's System Speak? And when I looked into it, it's, it's incredible because the person who created System Speak is actually a system of dissociated alters, um, Emma Sunshaw and her system. 
I'm reading this from SystemSpeak website, systemspeak.org. Emma Sunshaw and her system were diagnosed with DID by a licensed therapist and psychiatrist following inpatient treatment for a significant fugue experience and related trauma issues. Prior to this experience, Emma had functioned well for nearly 20 years as a doctorate-level clinician until both of her parents passed away. The layers of this experience triggered a collapse of protective walls that had thus far sustained them internally, leading them to seek treatment. So what I understand is that Emma was a clinician working for almost 20 years as a therapist, and the, the loss of both parents triggered this episode that led her to being diagnosed with DID, which she had never realized that she had because she was just functioning. So Emma, also known as Dr. E, has retired from clinical work now and does not have an office caseload at this time. And her podcast is not intended to give medical or therapeutic advice. But if you listen to System Speak, you hear basically a firsthand account of living with DID from a person who has the clinical understanding because she practiced for almost 20 years. For me, it's it's a great gift that this podcast exists. And when I listened to the episode with Susan Pease Bannon, I was like, man, I wish I could do that. It was so it was so good and it was so organic and really just incredible. So I highly recommend listening to System Speak. Pat Ogden was recently interviewed, which is amazing. I, I want to listen to that one. I just found that out when I was doing a little research to tell you all about System Speak. So you can get all the information about System Speak by going on systemspeak.org and uh, look at About Us. But I, I greatly admire what Emma and her system are doing with that podcast. It's very important. And for many people living with DID, I know it must be an amazing resource. And for us therapists who work with people who've experienced trauma, and almost all of us probably have our own trauma too. So um, it's, it's a really valuable resource. So that should be enough for now. I'm going to leave you with this. And then if you have any questions about what I've shared, if parts of what I've said today were not clear, which is highly possible. Um, feel free to reach out to me by email at therapychat.podcast at gmail.com or go to therapychatpodcast.com and click on the speak pipe button. You can leave me a voice message. I love hearing when you're, you call in with those messages. If there are, you know, a few questions, I may do a follow-up episode addressing those questions. And I would be, I would be fascinated to know if this is something that you already know about, whether you're a therapist or not, is, is this anything that you have known about before you listen to this? And what did I leave out? I mean, it's a huge topic and I'm by no means the be all end all expert on this subject, but you know, there are many who know way more about it than I do. And then I know there are many who hardly know much about it at all. So I'm just hoping that this will help all of us understand more. So until next time, thanks for listening to Therapy Chat. I always appreciate you listening and I can't wait to hear what you think of this and next week's episodes. Take care.
Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Just another reminder that if you'd like to become a member of Therapy Chat, supporting the podcast while receiving fun member perks and being able to communicate with me one-on-one, go to patreon.com slash therapy chat. If every subscriber donated just $1 per month, Therapy Chat would be able to keep going strong indefinitely. Thanks so much for your support. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com.